Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And Tiffany is talking a little bit quiet right now. Why? My (laughs) son is in the next room with a bit of a cold, not sleeping very soundly, so... I want to make sure I don't wake him up. We're going to hope you don't wake him up. <laughs> We've been trying to talk for about, what, the last hour. Yeah. This is the reality, people, and uh, it's going to be fine. Today, we're celebrating our 100th episode. Hard to believe. <laughs> I know. It's really hard to believe. It's such a big number. I know. People kept asking me if we were going to do something special for the 100th episode, and I kept saying, no, no, we're going to just stay the course. But then I thought, well, what the hell? Let's... Let's at least mention it, the fact that it's 100. We don't have to dwell on it, but it is a nice number. We've entered the three digits. It's going to be a long time before we enter the four. I know. A very long time. If it ever happens. (laughs) We'll see. A very long time. I mean, let me ask you a question. I know that I should know this, but but I'm going to ask you because I don't know. (laughs) With the exception of Christmas, this past Christmas, where we were off for one week, right? Has it been nonstop every week since we started? Yes. That's incredible. Can you believe that? If I were not holding a microphone, I would applaud you right now because you do all of the hard work. I I hope all of you all out there know that she does all of the hard work. I just show up and try to sound pithy. But Katie, I don't know how you manage to uh, edit an episode every single week with all of the other things you have going on. You're amazing. Thank you. That's very nice of you to say. I know that might be news to some of you listening that we actually edit these episodes because they just seem so organic, right? But I do quite a bit, actually. Yes, because Katie doesn't want you to hear how many times I say, you know, <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like, <laughs> and um, or sometimes we tell a story and it just doesn't go anywhere. You're just like, wow, that was a really bad story. It didn't land at all. <laughs> or sometimes I say something that turns out to be incredibly offensive. <laughs> I usually try to leave that in. (laughs) So we were going to talk today about milestones since it's our 100th episode. Tiffany has the most interesting milestone of both of us, I think, to share from her recent life. It's definitely a cool event and a big deal, but I don't know if I would qualify it as a milestone specifically. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's the wrong definition. I I don't know. I mean, milestone. I mean, definitely a hundredth episode is a milestone. I don't know that what we did is a milestone, but it was definitely an amazing experience. What did you do? Shall I tell you? Tell us. (laughs) We're just dying to know now. Claudio and I had our baby baptized by the Pope in the Sistine Chapel a couple weeks ago. Which is amazing. Which is kind of crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it's really amazing. It's really unbelievable. Even when I say it myself, it's unbelievable. When I was there experiencing it, it was unbelievable. Why don't you tell us how in the world you even got to do something like that? Because it's not like the Pope has all the time in the world to just baptize babies. For the past several years, it actually might be more than that, but I know that at least for the past five, ten years, whoever is Pope does baptize a certain number of babies once a year on January 10th, which is, it's considered the day of the baptism of Christ. 
So that's why they choose that date. It has to be the child of someone who works for the Vatican. But also, I think maybe some, some VIPs might be able to finagle their way in. In our case, it's the former. Also, the baby is supposed to be three months old or less, or at least that used to be the rule under Pope Benedict. I think Francis has loosened it up a little bit. So we were able to do it, even though Aurelio was just over five months old at the time. So Claudia wrote a letter. We had to obviously present documentation that we had been married in the Catholic Church, that we were both confirmed Catholics, that both of the godparents that we had chosen were confirmed Catholics. And we got all of that in, and it was all accepted and everything, and uh, we got to do it. And luckily, I was able to get in touch with my mom, and she found almost last-minute flight. So my mom got to be there, my mom and my stepdad, which was great. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was something that I always hoped would happen ever since Claudio and I got together and decided to get married. And it was amazing to be there in that kind of a situation because as a former, you know, I mean, still a tour guide, but I don't do tours in the Vatican anymore. But I did for several years. I have been in the Sistine Chapel literally hundreds and hundreds of times, definitely over a thousand times. If you've been in the Sistine Chapel, you know it's crowded, it's dark, it's chaotic. There's guards telling people to shut up. There's people flashing photos where they shouldn't be. There's tour guides with flags, you know, grouping their massive group here and there. You can't get anywhere. It's, it's difficult. It's not exactly a pleasant experience. And so to be there on a Sunday when it's all lit up and bright and the choir is there singing and it's full of cardinals and other priests walking around. All of a sudden a procession begins and the Pope walks in. It's unbelievable. You feel like you are almost living in a different time. The time of the Borgias or the time of Pope Julius II when these kind of liturgical events happened often in the Sistine Chapel because it was really meant to be the Pope's private chapel. It wasn't a tourist, touristic site until about 100 years ago. I had to kind of pinch myself to believe that I was actually there and to stand out in front of the Pope and see him baptize and bless my son was, what can I say? crazy. I watched the videotape that you sent me of it. Aurelio, when you hold him o over the water, <laughs> one of the only babies that I noticed in the group of babies that were being baptized that looked like, uh, you guys going to throw me into that water? <laughs> you know, he, he has like this downward cast eyes looking down being like, <laughs> oh, completely. Aurelio is a total, I call him Curious George because he's into everything. He looks at everything. He looks at everyone. He doesn't miss anything. You can whisper and he'll be sleeping and he'll wake up and like stare and turn his head around to see who's talking. <laughs> so we approach the Pope twice. And the first time the Pope just makes the sign of the cross on his forehead. And then parents do the same. So we brought him up there. We did that. And I didn't notice this until the video. As I'm making the sign of the cross on his forehead, he's reaching down, trying to grab the Pope's hand. Oh, wow. He wasn't anywhere close enough to be able to actually get it. But, um, but he was trying, just like he's trying to grab the computer mouse right now. <laughs> but when he was being baptized, yes, we held him over the font. And he just turns his head around and looks down at that thing. Yeah, I don't know if he's saying, are you going to throw me in the water? Or, ooh, what's that down there? What's that bright, shiny object? He doesn't miss a thing, this kid. <laughs> Did you cry at any moment during that ceremony? I didn't. I'm the kind of person who I don't really cry when things like that are happening. Uh, I don't know if it's my acting training or what it is, but I remember at my wedding, 
Suzanne, for those of you guys listening, uh, Katie and Suzanne were my bridesmaids. So Suzanne said to me, you know, I was tearing up. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how you were so composed. I don't know how you, you kept it together. I was crying. I think I have cried in weddings before. I definitely cried in my sister's wedding, and I, I might have cried in Suzanne's wedding a little bit. When it's me, when I'm one of the protagonists in the situation, for some reason, I don't let it get to me. I, I just kind of keep it together. I don't know how. Hey, fair enough. I was tearing up while I was watching the video. Now, please tell me you didn't watch the whole thing because it was almost two hour event. Uh, no, I fast forwarded to all of the times you told me. To. Yeah. <laughs> Tiffany sent me an email at 4.38. You'll see us. At 17.15, you'll see us. <laughs> so I just clicked through to all those. I didn't want anyone to have to watch that whole thing because it was long. What can I say? There's really no words to describe it. It's one of those things that I said to my mom, it's a once in a lifetime. She said, no, it's not. It's not a once in a lifetime. It's a once in very few people's lifetimes. And, and I thought about it and I thought, you know, of all the babies who were born in 2015, you know, how many millions of babies were born in 2015? Only 26 got to be baptized by the Pope that year. Aurelio was one of the, the fortunate kids who got to. So I feel very fortunate and blessed for that. Now, he seems very spirited right now. Would you say that that was because of the Pope? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he's always been like this. He's since he was two days old. He's been yeah. a handful. But um, enough of my milestone, if that's what we're calling it. Why wouldn't you call it a milestone? I mean, in a sense it is, but I feel like a milestone is after you have done something for a certain amount of time. I mean, if you think about it, it's a distance thing, right? Milestone is a stone in ancient Rome that would show the mile on the Roman roads, all leading from the center of Rome. It's a measurement of, of time or of space. or So, you know, if you've done 100 episodes, that's a milestone because you're measuring from the beginning to now. So I don't know if that's a, it's a real measurement. Okay, well, according to Merriam-Webster... The dictionary, of course. You are correct that a milestone, by definition, it's a noun, a stone by the side of the road that shows the distance in miles to a specified place. That's the number one definition. Yeah, well, that's the original so, thing. Kudos to you. See, I, I forgot when I decided to talk about milestones that you would know the Roman the Roman origin of the word. Well, if you, uh, if you come to Rome and you walk down some of the ancient consular roads like the Via Appia, you can see some of them. You can actually see the milestones along the road. Via Aurelia, you can see them around the city just randomly. So it's actually not just a, an expression. <laughs> These expressions come from somewhere. The other definition is, of course, more what people would think of, which is an important point in the progress or development of something or a very important event or advance. Okay, well, an event, I guess, then the baptism could be considered an important event. And along his spiritual path, it is a milestone. It is his entrance into Christianity. True, true. Did you think of it that way when you were doing it? I kind of did. And I, I kind of was so caught up in the moment being in this important event in this important place and doing this unbelievable thing that I wasn't really thinking about the deeper meaning of it which is kind of sad, <laughs> but I was just so in awe of what was going on around me. But I did say to my mother, and this is what my godson's father said after his baptism, we've just washed all the devil off of him. <laughs> Hopefully not too much devil had accumulated in the five months he's been alive. <laughs> but you never know, it is an evil world, right? Well, you know, at original sin and all. Yeah, that's right. Seriously. <laughs> so what did Pope Francis look like really close up? To be honest, he looked very kind, genuinely kind, not like politician kind. 
when he uh, did the sign of the cross on Aurelio's head, I was about to step away. He looked up at me and I smiled at it, or I was already, I was just smiling because I was just so in awe. So I was smiling, you know, I had this big grin on my face and he looked up at me and he smiled right back at me. I thought that was just so, so sweet. But I do have to say he looked incredibly frail and incredibly tired. And I, I think you can probably have picked this up from the video uh, as well. He looked really, really tired. And I think that very sadly, I don't think he's going to be Pope for that much longer. I, I hate to say that. Even himself, he has said that, you know, he is not in perfect health. He has only one lung. And um, hang on one second, just pause. We're a long way off from the, like, the tranquil, quiet uh, ambiance of your little loft in your apartment when we first started. <laughs> yeah, remember how centered we were then? <laughs> uh, I mean, I certainly have been off kilter, I think, since my return from Rome to Seattle, even though it's almost been two years or a year and a half. I still feel like I'm careening around, uh, at least in my head. And of course, now you have a baby, so I mean, it just feels like everything's so unsettled right now. Absolutely. I don't, I sometimes can't even remember what it was like before I had a baby. Obviously, I can't. I mean, I lived 38 years without having a baby, but I can just get anything done that I need to get done. If you have a deadline, or if you have a project, or if you need to write some emails or record a podcast. And you just do it, you know? You, oh my gosh, hang on. And so when you have a kid, you can't just do that. You have to find the time. You, know, you have to find, it's, it's difficult to even just find five minutes to get work done unless it's in the middle of the night. You don't realize until after like how good you had it. <laughs> that sounds horrible because obviously I'm very happy that I had a baby and I don't, I don't regret it in any, in any sense, but it just makes things so much more complicated. Even just getting around becomes so complicated. I've been wanting to go to a La Leche League meeting since I had him, but it's just far enough away from me that I can't really get there on foot and I don't want to take him on public transport and it's during the day when my husband's working, so he can't take me. It's just, I can't figure out how to get there. Here I am, I feel like I'm trapped. Even if I had my own car, I wouldn't be able to get there yeah. because you can't drive in that part of the city. Right. <laughs> so it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Would you consider having a baby a milestone? I think so. If you consider that milestones are, what was it? What was the definition? An important point in the progress or development of something. If you consider that something to be your life, then yes, I think having a baby is a very important point along the journey of life, just as getting married is or getting an important job. Now, what about you? Have you had some important milestones? Now that we've redefined it as not just big turning point moments, but things that you work in progress toward, it's harder for me to answer that question. I would certainly say that when I first got hired to NPR, that was a milestone. I was originally hired as an intern, but that was the first job where I walked in and on day one, I was sitting in the studio just told as a simple intern, first day on the job job, to go through this tape and listen to some of the old shows of the show that I was going to be working on, which is partly because I wasn't a fan of that show and I wasn't familiar with it. And so I had never really heard it. So I'm just sitting in a studio, I'm surrounded by microphones and, and control boards and all this stuff, and I'm just listening to stuff on CD. 
And I remember leaning back in that chair and thinking, I am never going to leave here until they give me a job. The first time I feel like I felt like I had a clear vision of what it was that I wanted to be doing. At that point, I don't even think I knew what it entailed to do what it is that I wanted to do. So me just deciding I'm never going to leave wasn't enough because there was no jobs there. Obviously, I had to be able to prove that I was worth hiring. And so as a result, I ended up working for free for almost two years. And so by the time a job did open and I got it, my goodness, that was a big day. I bet. Did you get the first job that opened up? Or did you have to go through many different application processes? Or uh, No, I didn't get the first job that opened up, but I did get the first one I applied for. Oh, that's I had this good. weird experience where <laughs> uh, the, the show that I, I was working on as an intern, my producer, the one that was training me, left. I became her interim producer, which means you're just there until they go through the hiring process, right? But when the host of the show offered me the interim producer position, he told me, don't bother applying for the job because I'm not going to give it to you. Now, in my head, I was thinking, I don't want this job anyway. And why, wouldn't, why would that be? Maybe that was me just telling myself that so I wasn't hurt by the fact that he was like, I'll never hire you. But I mean, it actually was the truth. It was not the show that I wanted to be working on full time. It was a, always based on the news of the day show. And you know me, the news of the day doesn't interest me as much as the news of, not even the news, the cultural interesting things that happen in the world, the things that make this life richer, not the daily grumblings. Lifestyle stories. Uh, I hate the, that, that definition though, because oh, it sorry. makes it sound like it's... <laughs> fluff. Fluff, yeah. It makes it sound like it's fluff and not anything worthwhile but i think that sometimes understanding the complexities of nature or the wonders of the world or even the expat experience and how sad and lonely it can be and how wonderful and joyous it can be those are interesting things to me not just what the president of the united states says when he goes to the un that's a long rambling story to say that the job i did apply for and i did get was on the show that i had my eyes set on it was the one i wanted to do yeah wow now, let me ask you a question, because I remember years and years and years ago talking to you on the phone one day, and you said, I've been given a job, or my boss wants to give me a job, and I'm absolutely not qualified for it, and I don't know what to do. I don't want to take it. I can't take it. And I remember saying, take it. You'll figure out what to do. You know, you'll figure it out as you go along. And, I, and I'm pretty sure you did take it. I do know what job you're referring to, but I don't remember us having that conversation. Right after I get hired, I get hired to be the assistant producer on a show called Weekday with Steve Scher, who is an amazing host and is still one of my best friends. I get hired as the assistant producer, which is kind of the entry level producer position. Two, three months later, the senior producer of the show got a different job and left. He didn't leave the station, but he moved positions. And I was back to being an interim while they were looking for a new senior producer. And then somewhere along the line, Steve decided that he felt like I should be the senior producer and we should be hiring an assistant producer instead. And that was probably the job I freaked out about. Because at that point, I'd been working on the show for two months. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't, I didn't have any of their institutional knowledge. They would have full conversations slinging around people's names that I would not know one single person that they were naming. It was intimidating. So you had to do some serious... Homework, I imagine, yeah. to be prepared for that job. Yeah, and it's all about hiring people who cover your weaknesses, right? <laughs> <laughs> While you're flailing with certain things, you hire a person who loves covering politics 
so that they are impassioned to do it. And then you can work on what you're actually good at. That's a good point. That's the best advice I can give anybody who has the chance to hire anyone is hire somebody who fills in all of your failings, not your failings, your shortcomings, someone who loves to do what you hate to do, that sort of stuff. And that's what makes it work out. Good advice. Obviously, I eventually caught on. <laughs> I did do that job for nine years. So by the time I left, I was like an old hat. Well, I knew you would be. And I remember, t- I, you don't remember the conversation, but I remember it very well. And I remember saying, take it. You can do it. You'll figure it out. And I did. It was like the first time I ever did a tour of the Vatican. I was terrified. I thought, oh my gosh, these people are going to see right through me. They're going to know it's my first time, you know? And I was so scared. I had anxiety dreams that I was in the Vatican and I couldn't find the Sistine Chapel. And and eventually, you know, you just throw yourself in. You got to do it. That's life. Did you feel like you actually gave all real facts on that first tour or did you ever make stuff up as you went along? <laughs> well, you know, I never made anything up like as far as the stories that I told. I mean, everything. I did a lot of studying, an incredible amount of studying in many, many books. And I went on a lot of people's tours who I, you know, really respected and admired just to get an idea of pacing and stuff. So I didn't make up anything in my routine. But absolutely, there were moments when people would ask me questions like, oh, what's that? It's not so bad when they say, what's that random piece of art? Because sometimes there's so many works of art in the Vatican, you can't, no one can be expected to know them all. But definitely those first few months and even year, I would say people would ask me things that I'm like, you know, I really should know this, but I don't. <laughs> you don't make up a bald-faced lie, but you learn how to sort of, like a politician does when they don't want to answer a question, you kind of change the subject in sort of a <laughs> sneaky way. <laughs> I definitely did that. So maybe that's another milestone, the first time you ever toured the Vatican. Probably. We're discovering milestones all over the place. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) Moving to Rome was a milestone in my life, in my life trajectory. It was something that I wanted to do for a long time, and I finally made it happen in 2004. And then another milestone along the journey was when I became legal there in 2010, and then just this past September when I became a citizen was a huge, huge milestone for me. So It's true, and I got to witness that one. Lots of milestones. Yeah, see, where I would say that moving to Rome for me was more of a surprise, not a milestone. Not something I was planning for or working toward. Something I agreed to. Look what came out of it. What? Just kidding. (laughs) Well, this podcast for one. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I know. Talk to me two years ago and be like, someday you're going to create an expat and former expat themed podcast and you're going to co-host it for two years and you're gonna get to two years plus yeah and you're gonna get to episode 100 which we've done today it's pretty amazing you'd never have believed it i wouldn't have believed it no but here we are episode 100 we've broken the three digits now uh we have to work toward the four let's take things one step at a time let's try to get to 200 (laughs) let's try to get to 200 yeah seriously i am certainly glad that we've made it this far I look forward to seeing what happens. I am also pleasantly surprised. I never would have thought I would have been involved in a podcast, quite frankly, because it's not really my medium or it didn't used to be. I'm definitely grateful that it's given me the opportunity to chat with you every week for the past two and a half years or two years. That's pretty great, too. It is. And we've met so many amazing people because of it. I feel like I have all these friends all over the world now that maybe I'll never meet, but that are out there. It's been very interesting, like the emails that we get. I just got one from a listener named Kayla who's living in Florence currently, 
and is about to move back to Seattle. And she said, have you, I'm very worried about the transition. I'm paraphrasing Kayla, by the way. I'm very worried about the transition. Have you happened to discover any former expat support groups in Seattle? To which I answered, you know, I never even thought to look for, <laughs> look for that. That's just me. Like, I never even thought something like that would exist. Well, if it doesn't, you could start one. You and Kayla could start one. Yeah, it could just be me and Kayla. <laughs> it could be just me and Kayla. It could be great. Well, in the, in the meantime, I am glad that we got to 100, and uh, we should maybe leave it there. I think so. I think we should, because my little munchkin is getting a little cranky. Yes, he's having a bit of a breakdown. I can see him there. And for those of you who love the show, let's mark this milestone, should we? But Shall we by maybe telling a friend about it, spreading the word, writing us a review on iTunes, something like that to uh, let us know that you're out there and to let more expats and former expats find us. Yes, and we are now on Facebook, by the way. Oh my gosh, that's a milestone. I can't. Even, I forgot completely that we did that. Yeah, we're, n- neither Katie or myself are big Facebook people. So, uh, so yeah, it's taken us two years to open a Facebook page. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. I would actually say that I am I am a Facebook person in the sense that I don't like it, but I do look at it every single day. That's the drug of Facebook, though. Yeah, I can't deny being a Facebook person, and I will answer people who comment on our Facebook page, as will Tiffany. I'll try. Part of the reason we opened it was because we thought at some point it would be kind of fun to ask you guys for a bunch of questions and answer them while looking at a Facebook page while we're recording live. So if you're interested in doing it, like our page on Facebook, I think it's Facebook slash Bittersweet Life Podcast, something like that. We, you should probably know that. <laughs> we should probably know that. Let's put a link on the, on, the, on the website. I will. I will. So join us there and then we can answer your questions in real time. How exciting will that be? And another milestone, people. Let's just celebrate. This is a wonderful day. But we're going to leave it there. Until next time, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. That's Aurelio. This is the 100th episode of The Bittersweet Life. Talk to you next time. Bye. Visit the donate page on our website, thebittersweetlife.net. All donations are reserved exclusively for the creation of audio content. Your financial support keeps us strong. Thank you.